Welcome to the PI Podcast, political insights for the palaging inis. I'm your host, Matt, and with me is my co-host, political scientist, Meme Lord, who recently narrowly escaped the Canadian mad cow disease, also known as Muscabado <laughs> Syndrome Borge. <laughs> yeah, it was way off. Okay, okay. Pianyo, uh, pianating lahat, Borge at your service. Yes, and welcome back. And this is our first episode for 2023. So belated Happy New Year and Chinese Whee! Happy New Year. Kong hei fat sai. And uh, thank you for joining us once again. It's a bit of a long hiatus, but we are yeah. finally back, Borch. How? Maybe a quick update. There, have you? What have you been doing? You know, yeah. and how things. Papers, 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 papers. So papers, papers. Writing, 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 writing. Yeah. So basically, a what lot we're of going writing. to discuss today. Writing. Yes. Come to think of it, it's my resolution to try writing. But you know, maybe this episode will help. But it's been a while, and it's a, we're a bit rusty at sa totoo lang sa tagal na hindi ko ginamit yung mic. Pero ang baho na ng mic ko. Kaya shit. Dude, you should wipe it with an alcohol. <laughs> anyway. Well, mamaya. Nilisan ko. But yeah. Uh, amoy kalawang. <laughs> Sa alikabok. Anyway. But uh, of course, uh, there's a lot of political issues. But right now, we're going to talk something that's a bit more closely, well, maybe more relatable to students. And in general, mm. you know, the thing about artificial intelligence how slowly we might be taken over by robots and the internet <laughs> and skynet and the matrix but the clo- clo- much closer to our experience as teachers quite recently there's this generative ai mm. uh, or artificial intelligence program or software in the internet where they you know a lot of ai has be- can create things out of like prompts like for mm. example there are some uh yeah, there are some programs where you can type in like it reminds you of like things like ask Jeeves back in the early 2000s where you could ask mm. what is this and what is that and it's like you can have a conversation but they can do some things as complicated as demonstrate uh, or create a script or a screenplay between Batman and the Joker mm. set in say Bangkok or something like that or they or recently uh, our colleagues it made it to the news that mm. You know, some students submit chat GPT generated homeworks and assignments. Hmm. So yeah, this is a it's a big thing. And they've actually been trying to well test it on how hmm. on how sophisticated it can do. And it actually passed some law exam entrance uh, law ex- law and ent- law school entrance exams. Hmm. And uh, what's that? Even a management course of its B minus. It didn't is it, but yeah. But uh, how about you, Borge? What have you? What what do you, what do you think about this? The rise of Chat GPT and generative AI. Mm. Well, I would usually take an ordinary Marxist approach to technology, which is it's there. It's probably good. It's probably bad. Depends on what we do with it. But one mm-hmm. thing is for sure. It may and it will cause certain things to go obsolete if it's pursued. Things, especially mm-hmm. in education, practices in education would be obsolete in due time. Mm-hmm. So, is it a question of cracking down on it, or is it a question mm-hmm. on adapting to it? Is it a question of right. harnessing it? And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think the core concern would be on writing because ChatGPT mm-hmm. targets the practice of writing. That's why we're focusing right. on it right now. But am I ambivalent over it? Mm, at this point, 
Mm, ambivalent but not fake. Uh, <laughs> so meaning? I have mixed I have mixed emotions towards it, but it all mm-hmm. boils down to, you know, we need to work with it because mm-hmm. it's there. Uh, right. If the internet does not collapse, it would remain there. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So yes. Uh huh. But come to think of it, I, I to an extent I agree with you because I mean it's horrifying and lazy mm. to just submit an essay mm. generated like write an essay about the rights of citizens or I mean because it's but then again technology has improved and developed to a point where it's used in a lot of things and mm. it like for example I'm pretty sure a lot of our students use the term like grammarly which mm. corrects our grammar you know of course in English. Fine language courses uh, it might be unfair but at least mm. here it shows well it auto, it's automated but mm. at least people can see better ways of writing it like it mm. for instance on the one hand i do agree that it can be properly used like it can mm. show a demonstration or maybe a sample work on what they mm. presumably a well crafted uh, essay would look structured essay would look like but mm. it does have its own limitations and I mean we're not quite experts but we do know that it sources its answers from uh, basically internet searches and mm. what is inputted into it in other words basically it it's the bell curve of essays you know it it recreates and arranges the average level <laughs> of <laughs> how you say comprehension literally like it, it, it didn't ace the courses it took, but it B, it got B minus. That's the exact word. So, uh, again, to an extent, so it has its limitations. But like many artificial intelligence, it gets smarter and to a point, almost it if it can replace us human beings. You know, that's a uh, it's a little something. Like it can it has also been asked to grade itself and it uh, evaluate itself. So, that it has a certain level of reflexivity. So. Mm. <laughs> if it becomes self-aware, holy shit! <laughs> so, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, there was this article by Gideon Lasco. You know, he actually posted it in his new- recent article on uh, a-, a response. Like him asking questions and it answering. And so, of course, it asked itself like, uh, "We do have a biases, but it's a bias based on the data that it is given." You know, and. Uh, it can all. It is a tool. It it defended itself. It is a tool that can be used, but it still believes, quote unquote, that students should, again, use its own their own critical thinking skills. Like, oh wow, it can be ethical. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it is something. Like for example, that there. I mean, it's not the only one, but mm. there are other uh, AIs that, in a way, I use are that are that it, it's used for many things. It's, but sometimes it, uh, it, it, like some people, like for example, they teach it to say like racist mm. things. And mm. in a way, sometimes ChatGPT in particular stops and even responds saying, this is racist and should not be, <laughs> should mm. not, this is the wrong thing to say. In fact, some teenagers that played with it said that write a pro Hitler speech. And it did so, but at the same time, they said, but Hitler is not a good human being. Therefore, it would be wrong to believe in this. So it's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it, 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 it has some... It reflects it has specific human characters. values. Yeah. It mm-hmm. reflects specific but, human values. That's one thing. 
to to extend sometimes the values of <laughs> of the if it's programmers but also the values of the people that input it you know input mm. information into it so yeah i don't know any other no, thoughts on I, that? We, like, we should not look at well, again yeah. look, we should not look at technology first from a black and white perspective nor should we look at it as something mm. that can be totally alienated from mm. us humans well at mm. least for the time being Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the time being, uh, the article by our colleague uh, Junior Stanislaw in a yes. Rappler. So we would link it that. So he presents a more balanced take on AI and the academe. So mm-hmm. uh, do check out uh, do check out that article. It, it's it's a good one. Yeah. But the main point is, it is there. As I've said, it is there. We need to deal with it. Uh, we can crack down on certain practices, but we can maximize its benefits as you have said mm-hmm. and we we tried it on earlier so <laughs> yeah i mean we, oddly enough it we it was on one of your like uh, pet topics uh, dialecticism mm-hmm. and uh, it it tried to it, it gave a few answers but what do you think about the answers that it gave uh, again if if you are the average person with an average knowledge on dialectics then <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah you 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 would be caught by it would you would easily agree with mm-hmm. it since it states the thesis antithesis mm-hmm. synthesis which again is a thorough misreading of dialectics and uh, yeah it right. got the multi-dimensionality multi-perspective right but it doesn't flesh out how to synthesize so it just settles with that one so mm-hmm. you need a proper mm-hmm. reading of dialectics to know how to synthesize opposing viewpoints but chat gpt just settles mm-hmm. with that well at least for that mm-hmm. task and we right. we also asked it to analyze hannah arendt and john dewey so yeah <laughs> And how do you find that? I got the John Dewey part wrong. So again, mm-hmm. without close mm-hmm. reading, I think one of one of my readings, uh, Pippa Norris, Professor Pippa Norris, uh, mm-hmm. uh, theories on democracy, democratic politics. She actually posted on Twitter. ChatGPT mm-hmm. doesn't really have an extensive reading like his, mm-hmm. like her students. So, uh huh. come to think of it, yeah. I mean, if you're going to check like what sixty plus students' papers, you know, you wouldn't. Well, I don't know, but I, I myself would probably struggle to distinguish this from a student, like a an average student. Yeah, maybe they don't know better, but I don't know. What do you think? How would you, how would you distinguish an AI from an actual, well, from a student's paper? I think, as far as practice goes, I have applied my own ways of dealing with fluent bullshit coming from students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not easily impressed with any fluent writings. Because mm-hmm. I ask for very, very thoroughly specific questions that you can only mm-hmm. find if you actually read the damn thing. Uh-huh. So you know, having you know, that's my uh, what you call safety measure for mm-hmm. that one. So I don't ask the average question, mm-hmm. hence they could not give me an average answer if they actually uh-huh. tried. Or like, can you give an example maybe of an instruction or a question? How would you phrase it? That's it's a probably a good tip for teachers that may be listening right now. How to mm. deal with ChatGPT? Maybe what questions can you ask that can make it difficult to use a ChatGPT? Well, for example, the on one of my book analysis questions for Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Mm-hmm. So most writings would focus on Rousseau, the state, and voting. But then mm. again, one of my questions would be what is Rousseau's idea of the people in relation to a legislator? So that's a very specific part of the book, one of the crucial mm-hmm. parts of books, usually overlooked by average analysis or reviews. You mm-hmm. can only find out the answer for that one if you actually read it. Mm-hmm. And I also ask my students to critique 
So yun yun eh. Uh, if ChatGPT can criticize a paper, fine. Or if, if it if it can criticize a book, fine. But I'm asking students to criticize along very specific lines. Mm-hmm. So they would not. It's it's not an assurance that they would arrive at the same answer. But they, mm-hmm. I would see. I would observe how they would arrive at it. Right. And I, I think I encountered it's a possibility. I'm not saying that it is, I haven't confirmed it. But mm-hmm. it's a possibility that one, one paper that I checked last year mm-hmm. was either generated by an AI or it was, you know, it, he had someone write it for him. So a ghostwriter. It's another economy. Ghostwriter. Yeah. It's another economy. So either way, mm-hmm. the paper was well written, was fluent. But it didn't even answer my questions properly. It just passed by it. So mm. no. So it was uh, fun. It was full of slogans. It was full of the average statements on how to do things. Mm-hmm. Right. Common opinions on things. So if you are, if you're a professor who is easily impressed by mm. good writing or easily impressed right. by slogans, or mm-hmm. easy, you know, easily impressed by slogans or your own opinions. Mm-hmm. Then you can be can easily be fooled, right? You know. In fact, it can be well. If maybe it can be used to generate some, not an entire essays, but some paragraphs. So it could just be like snuck in, you know. Mm. So it's it, it could come to think of it. I, personally, if someone were to do that, I am a little tempted to say that, you know, then that person is creative enough to how you. I mean, to merit that grade, you know, if they're able to do that. But I mean, just mix and match, mm. mix it with their own, but just to help pad it, you know. I mean, it, I find that to be smart. If ever they, yeah. they can use it to create a not so obvious parts of a larger essay, like a review related literature, which mm. really, if it's just summaries, then mm. yeah. Actually, that's that's one thing. It, it's like it used to be like Spark Notes was used as a similar had a similar issue like would people still read books if with spark notes because it had provided all the summaries uh of books with so people yeah. just used spark notes and cliff notes you know mm. those two things those are really much older websites but people still read books apparently so that's still a good sign and, and students still cite spark notes yeah oh that that too it's a uh, it's not uh it's a mixed bag of results but I suppose like any new technology, it'll be integrated, but it, it mm. has never quite caught on. We, the academe also adapts and hopefully we should, I think the best thing to do is just to be on guard, you know? Yeah, be on and guard be aware. and adapt. Yeah. Although personally, one thing I would try, I, 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 one mechanism I have tried is to ask, integrate this in with your own personal experience or observation. Mm. So it'll be difficult to, <laughs> to try and like, uh, and get that from chat GPT unless you've input it already. So I don't know. But then again, um, how can you... As a person living in the Philippines, how yeah. Can you, how can you confirm the personal experience? Who knows? Chat GPT can provide that one. Mm, who knows? So, then yeah. again, it's... It, well, I do want to ask you a question though. Before we mm-hmm. go into the topic of writing itself, is it possible to ethically use chat GPT? And if ever, like, what are these guidelines for you? Yeah. Mm, you know, it, it, it is there, as I've said, it's a technology. We have tried it, and I'm now curious about trying it further. But one thing, uh, I draw the line with this. You can mm. use it for whatever you want, but if you try to pass it off as your own, then that is the mm. line. Right. You know, if, if you try to pass it off as your own, then that is the problem. 
Mm-hmm. So if you can use it to make your notes, if you can use it to guide your writing, if you want to outline the paper using ChatGPT or whatnot, if you can, if mm-hmm. you want somewhere to start, you know, if you want to start with the average mm-hmm. before you write your paper, then go ahead. Right. But if you start passing it off as your own, submit it as your own paper, then that mm-hmm. is the line, really. Right. Do you have any, how can we ethically use it? I mean, personally, I am tempted to use it for my own papers, <laughs> publications. Uh, like, uh, honestly, uh, just the bad things, you know, but uh, hopefully the reviewers don't listen to this. But uh, like I said, you know, sometimes maybe it's possible, number one, to see a demonstration of, like, for example, for as a student, you don't, you're not always familiar with like well-written essays if you don't read things that are longer than a TikTok or like a, twi- a tweet or a Facebook post. Then perhaps maybe you can just ask like uh, if you want to know what it looks like. And then it's, it can be used as a model or demonstration. Mm. So if you can study it and write around it or maybe modify it mm. slightly, like what you said, it's mm. fine. Uh, you can also use it to, again, like what you said, synthesize huge, complicated, uh, complicated, uh, uh, articles, article. materials, whole books. So, and also it can compare and synthesize. Mm. But of course, it's up to well, up to you to mm. add to it and integrate to the mm. essay because it'll never just be that. You know, like it yeah. can be used like a review for related literature, like I said. So, I, I, yeah. you know, regarding the review for related literature, it just passed by my head since you're planning to use it. Yeah, well, I think we'll the, I think the I think the the best way to use it is, again, it, if you allow it to condense multiple articles, multiple ideas, or debates into a few paragraphs, you can start with that so you would know your target. Because the, mm-hmm. it, it, it is the average. Mm-hmm. It is the average. And uh, one of the challenges for us researchers is to grasp the, the average. Because that's right. where we start whenever we try to criticize or to provide a new framework. Mm-hmm. So it's a good starting point be to mm-hmm. admit. But again, to end it, there and pass it as your own yeah that's mm-hmm. and you know it's weird though can are you can you can what if they cite chat gpt like the same way they people cited wikipedia holy crap that i is. think that's i think that's the that's the laziest way that the academe could adapt to it which is to mm-hmm. give it proper citation instructions no 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 no, no. that's the yeah. laziest way to adapt to it but then again that's people, a possibility who knows who knows? But for now, it again, it could be used like as a outline or as the backbone. But hmm. it's up to well, it's the job for the teachers to give more meaty and comprehensive questions. You know, hmm. instead of just ask, it, it's really good at answering what's you know and the and hmm. comparing yeah, yeah, yeah. what's when's where's yeah, and yeah, who's. Yeah. But the why's and how's it's a bit tricky. Well, maybe it can do a bit the how's, but the why's. And of course, um, the again, what else? personal experience and what, yeah, and what else? Yeah, it's it, it could still do better. So as of now, in its current form, uh, that's what we can offer. That's the mm. compromise we can offer. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it, yeah, yeah, that's a compromise. But you know, another thing, probably this, you know, this is a, this is, as you have said, this is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let, let's start with the assumption that there is an over flow or there's massive amounts of data and existing works right now. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, human society right now, or at least the academe, is, mm-hmm. uh, 
it's a challenge for us to synthesize this massive body of knowledge. Mm. What if ChatGPT can allow, you know, can allow academics to start condensing into focus, you know, to to to, to more focused areas. So instead of us spending time writing RLs, it would never end because there are too many works written on one single subject. Right. And it can be condensed. Then after it can it is condensed, then we can move on to, you know, to actually novel ideas mm-hmm. or novel questions. Perhaps. Anyway, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But perhaps. then again, that would just, well, people might say, you might not need the RL anymore since it's already there. I don't know. Um, anyway, you know who knows? I mean, maybe yeah. we, 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 we may no longer need the rest of the RL, but we would still need the critique of the RL. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes. students can probably focus on that in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll oh, see. Well. Yeah, I mean, some people say that. I mean, the math and engineering and accounting courses have already integrated the calculator. You, people used to say, "Is." math ruined because of the calculators like no it's just a tool that saves time Mm. so i don't know if this is the same way with maybe the social science and the humanities you know i don't know uh, i mean if you look at the single topic there's thousands of works written on it and many of those works even if they don't cite each other actually say the same thing Mm -hmm. so instead of running through all of those if ChatGPT can be empowered in such a way that it can synthesize articles, mm-hmm. then yeah. So it would give more mental space for scholars to actually ask new questions, more fundamental questions, mm-hmm. instead of simply asking questions already answered in the other side of the world by a paper well, that cur- they failed to take into account. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually curious uh, if we can uh, input more complex and philosophical questions like uh, into ChatGPT and see if it can reflect on it. So uh, that could be an idea for bonus content if you had more time to be like, no. like a PI raw or something. Oh, wow, what's that? You know? <laughs> or like, we could, yeah. So, but we'll see. But as of now, it is fascinating. But mm. uh, in a way, we can, we'll wait and see what happens next. But as of now, we're open-minded, right? Mm. So we're open-minded, yep. cautiously open-minded. There you go. Yep. Uh, yeah, but as of now, I think uh, it just brings us to another topic. So, if ChatGPT is a tool for writing, how should we treat writing? Or maybe we can discuss the nature of writing. Uh, so, at the same time, you know, it's you know, ChatGPT, especially in writing essays, it's some people say it's a shortcut to you know, to, to thinking your original thoughts. Mm. So perhaps you can, maybe let's start with discussing the relationship between writing and thinking, you know. So you could say that even Jordan Peterson, you know, said mm. that clear, write, uh, clear writing is clear thinking, you know, mm. and vice versa. Uh, so you have anything to say about that you know, as a thinking, uh, writing as a thinking process? Mm. Yeah, I think writing is, again, an extension of our, mental processes that's mm. why even in psychiatry writing journals is part of therapy mm-hmm. uh, it allows us to clarify and to make conscious what is mm. subconscious to clarify what mm-hmm. is more or less confused to put mm-hmm. it in words uh, the same thing with uh, the technology is an extension of our appendages that's what that's mm-hmm. the very essence of technology as far as i'm concerned it's oh, an yeah. extension of our appendages it's a question not of whether we should have it. It's just a matter of whether those appendages would control our mental mm-hmm. processes instead of the other way around. Right. So, again, but going back to writing, mm-hmm. I do agree with the 
Jordan Peterson on that one. Clear writing is a manifestation of clear thinking. Mm-hmm. And I would add on that uh, systematic notes, systematic note writing is actually an extension mm-hmm. of good memory. So, but the, how we think and how we write and how we revise, mm-hmm. uh, that's another thing about writing. Writing is also about revisions. Uh, mm-hmm. The willingness to revise your output is indicative of a willingness to develop an idea instead of just settling with it. Mm-hmm. So if you have written something and if you're happy with it without revisions, then you are probably a very opinionated creature. So mm-hmm. and that doesn't really work for the social sciences. Well, for creative writing, then go ahead, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but, but let me ask, how does your thought process work when you're writing? <laughs> in, in the most systematic representation you can make, how does oh, it go? I, well, I suppose the reason why I have a hard time like writing. Well, no, I mean, I, I honestly, there's this quote that summarizes my relation with writing is that I actually hate writing, but I love having written. I forgot who said that, but... Uh, We'll put that in the show notes. We'll see. But uh, it, it's good to have finished writing, yeah. Uh, but at the after that, like, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's always a it's a struggle. It's literally yeah. like giving birth. So sometimes I would trick myself into writing long essays by actually writing short sporadic essays kind of a lot like uh, Friedrich Nietzsche that's why I like it like if you notice if you read Nietzsche like the gay science or even genealogy of morals they're like small bursts of like short paragraphs pause and that and in a way that's what I, that's how I write now like, because rather than have long systematic thoughts I think it's the opposite where you know in the opposite styles like I I actually just write like writing prompts or like a topics thesis statements um let's see if i i have some thesis statements i don't know one thing i wrote the other time you know is like it's just a brain fart like while drinking coffee um you're in a way you feel the most awake at after the first sip of coffee but and succeeding sips can you actually feel more awake than awake I don't know. It's just a brain fart, literally. But I thought I, w- I would use it sometime in a poem or in an essay. Or like, what's the word? I don't know. It's the same thing as that. So, yeah, it's... And then, so I jot down these thoughts and then expound on them later on. So it's someone who is a bit less uh, systematic and more spontaneous. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. I, sometimes... Uh, most essays are like reducible to one sentences anyway. So having those topic sentence could be the seeds of a larger piece. Mm. But anyway, yeah, you were going to say something? Yeah, again, uh, I think between us, again, there's the reality that there's not one single writing style. Mm-hmm. So again, we're not here to impose any writing style on people. And as, <clears throat> and as our listeners are, have, have already deduced, there are at least two writing styles here. Hey, I'm also spontaneous, you <laughs> dipshit. We do have very different writing styles. There are two I didn't say styles. you weren't, you know. But but, but, yeah. but I think yeah. you are closer to... Again, there, this is an old art. Uh, mm. I don't know if there are any recent authors who are courageous enough to use this style, which is aphoristic writing. Mm-hmm aphoristic writing, which is writing bent on condensing Mm -hmm. a certain essential 
reality or, or mm-hmm. observation. So you have, and it's it's not a it's not a uh, meh style. You have the likes of, as you have said, Friedrich Nietzsche, but mm-hmm. his aphoristic writing is due to his syphilis. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you have any medical I, impediment. That would, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's why God is dead and we have killed him. That's a great line. But I bet like after that around it, it's like just, I, yeah. He, it's had not exactly, write, yeah. he had to write between meds. And so in between seizures, yeah. And so, that yeah. One. so so another one would be Goethe. Goethe also Goethe, had a, a, yeah. a series of uh, aphorisms, maxims. Mm-hmm. But I think the best, and I think I would recommend this one later, uh, the mm-hmm. best aphoristic writer. I don't know if you can find. I already, I think, I already recommended him to you. I don't know if mm-hmm. you can find a copy of his work. La uh, Rochefoucauld. So La Rochefoucauld, Rochefoucauld. and his Ro- maxims. They are. To an extent, the peak of that style. So, mm-hmm. uh, but then again, the challenge for maxims and aphorism, ah. aphoristic writing is the capacity to condense mm-hmm. an essence without sounding dogmatic and while being evocative at the same time. So, mm-hmm. there's a difference between just shitting out an opinion and right. actually making your readers think. And I think mm, that's yeah. the great art of aphoristic writing. So, yeah. and I, I raised this one because. Again, writing, we, we, we are discussing writing here in general, and that doesn't yes. only involve writing papers, right. not only about writing notes, but also in the age of social media, writing posts. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I think it, yeah. yeah. I mean, most thoughts are actually, or thesis statements can be good as tweets. I don't know if I uh, if I posted this, but like one in my notebook right here in my hand, it says there, uh, an example would be, a metaphor is borrowed beauty when an adjective is not enough. You know, so that's... Yeah, so it's 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 condensed. It's it has a bit of alliteration, but it's a thesis statement. It can be described and taken up into a larger essay. So things like that. So it it can start small, and it, if you can't write full essays, you can start with these a- small aphorisms, hmm. and yeah, maybe explain those things. <laughs> so do yeah, you need uh, to start with aphorisms, or you can just end with that? You, you... Just write yeah. a book on aphorisms and maxims, Jesus. You, you'll, you'll join the likes of Rush Foucault for that one. Mm, so let's write yeah. the publication for you. <laughs> uh, so mm. again, you can make it a start into a longer paper, but not, not necessarily. Aphorisms mm. are a style on their own. It is a, right. it's a genre on their own. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, and the reason why I start with aphorisms is it's an easy way to catch thoughts. I can't remember the exact person, but you know, I think that one thing that... Uh, I can think that uh, one quote that someone said was always keep a notepad with you. I think it's one recommendation we can have. Uh, mm-hmm. So to let to don't so that your thoughts won't escape you. Yeah. You, know, you never know when you need it. So it's like it's mm-hmm. literally like a net, <laughs> like a butterfly. Like if thoughts are butterflies, it's like a yeah. net, so you can catch it and yep. you can remember it for later. Uh, but at the same time, you know, at least we, we start with that thinking can be. Uh, like how do you say this like I don't know like or sometimes if these are already like thoughts or like statements but sometimes if it's about questions then it would then it would move to well if you can't have a full essay on it it starts with uh, specific phrases and thoughts that you can outline into it so uh, I suppose with that being said you know I think writing and thinking process especially if you use a pen and paper yeah or even like uh even like in word documents they can be used uh, like how do you say what 
uh, when writing drafts, you could be as liberal as you can, you know. Oh. So you, so in other words, it could it could allow yourself to be as stupid as possible, so that you can find like a uh, a nugget of gold there, you know, mm. like um. So yeah, but the so you can draft liberally, but edit mercilessly. So when you before you submit the thing, you know, you take out the stupid parts. Yeah, but the, yeah, at least that, that's the freedom yeah. of the of the blank paper or the blank canvas or the blank document. Yeah. Yeah, you you let your pen bleed. That's how I do it. Ooh, uh, ouch. Okay. Uh, you let your pen bleed. And again, writing is a reflection but the of the one. Pen is bleeding. Okay. Yeah, okay. but the well, it pooped. Yeah. <laughs> it stings. Uh, anyway, yeah. But the uh, writing again reflects your thought processes. If you can master your thought processes, if you have mm. an awareness of your thought processes, then that would certainly help with your writing. Mm -hmm. uh, this is hard, easier said than done, really. Mm. All right. Mm. Uh, but this is a very general, yeah. you know, a very general thing. Like it could start from like even your personal experience. Like there's an experience that you uh, don't really, in a way, you don't really, can't really understand. Mm. So yeah, you could just write, honestly and write it's the most human exp when we're at our most human you know anyway chat gpt can't really do this you know it didn't experience your the life through your eyes and with your own heart you know to clarify your own emotions i mean like what you said when during journaling as therapy sometimes again when you have all these emotions and you put them into words that can actually in a way unburden your heart that's a weird thing I, i'm not sure if we mentioned this in the podcast before but was it also Frederick Nietzsche? Again, we're mentioning him a lot today. Like, to there's always contempt from the act of speaking because finding the words for something is saying something that is dead in our hearts. In some cases, it's also sad, but at the same time, yeah, it, it, it unburdens our hearts. So that's, in one way, it's also emotional therapy, but also rational, well, rationalizing, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. what happened to us with... Um, uh, understanding our emotions, to understand it. yeah yeah why the hell did you use the word rationalizing anyway this is understanding uh, is a appropriate term why is what's wrong with the word of rationalizing and rationalizing you know, is already tied with just justifying something that so is not what? justifiable right <laughs> understanding is a bit broad i mean rationalizing is a value neutral term is it as far as common usage is concerned? It's, it's not common <laughs> usage. There's connotation and denotation. Denotation is the meaning of the word as such. Connotation is the meaning of the word as being used in social and society. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the wrong word, but it's what it caused. But I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that word. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but from the general act of writing, it can be utterly casual. It can be something personal as a journal. It can also be used in creating works of literature. Well, when it's close to like maybe someone in a specific scientific field, say for example, writing as analysts. So of course, it's analysis is a form of thinking. But how would you distinguish in, you know, thinking in general, you know, with writing as an analyst? Say for example, maybe writing op-ed pieces, I suppose, uh, or uh, maybe even journal articles. Like, what do you think? How would you distinguish that? No, I think I, we can ask an additional question. I think we can link it up now with politics, which is also mm -hmm. part of our discussion. Uh, right. I, I dare not speak about scientific writing in general. Mm -hmm. so I think we can focus on writing on well, politics. In a field or a discipline. 
Yeah, I would rather focus on politics for me. You can you can come to writing in general as analysis, but as mm-hmm. far as writing on politics is concerned, writing mm-hmm. analysis right. on politics is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a twofold challenge as far as my own experience is concerned. Well, first, it's knowing where to put your emotions. Mm-hmm. So again, politics is an easily triggering issue. Mm-hmm. That's why I could not speak for the sciences in general because they're not discussing the same triggering shit that we do in politics. So there's a higher probability of being more emotional in writing political mm-hmm. analysis. Mm-hmm. Now, it is unavoidable. Mm-hmm. It is unavoidable to uh, include emotions there uh, when writing in politics. It's just a matter of where to put it. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple genres in writing. So if you mm-hmm. want a fiery paper, then go write a polemic, but don't pass it off as research. Mm-hmm. But if you can cool your head, look at the political issue without any, you know, without much emotion, then go write uh, an actual systematic analysis of it. Right. So that's the first challenge on emotions. Mm-hmm. But second, I think it's the issue of questions. Are we writing to answer questions or are mm-hmm. we writing to ask more questions? Mm. So that's another issue that we must mm-hmm. face in writing, right. especially on politics. Because uh, as far as uh, political writing is concerned, there is a temptation to jump immediately from analysis to recommendations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so there's there's but that, we do that a lot you know yeah but... we do that a lot to understand. <laughs> but uh, there's that temptation but only for policy briefs that's a different genre altogether in yeah. actual journal articles or in books mm-hmm. you're not supposed to end with uh, right. grand conclusions you're supposed to end with more questions so mm-hmm. that's another thing right mm. yeah so I come to think of it, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said, but uh, maybe to condense that further, mm-hmm. uh, when you say analysis, mm-hmm. uh, it is a, a lot of people write what they think about a topic. What do you think? What do you think? And uh, <laughs> that's the weird thing. I, I always, well, when you ask, when ask for analysis, it's no longer what, not necessarily what you think, because what you think might not be as valuable to the audience because again the when you mentioned genres genres have different audiences yep. but especially for instance if you're asked uh, to be an, an analyst maybe say for a broadsheet or a opinion editorial that it's <clears throat> more for me it is enough from your from the perspective of your to write from this perspective of your discipline uh, to just simply discuss what is happening mm. or like what is going on because i think that's what people um that's what people kind of forget to do you know it's a very mm. deceptively difficult thing to do especially when mm. using the right words for it especially when like what you said certain words have connotations have mm. uh, mean like meanings maybe the unintended meanings or or emotions associated with them so with analysis, you use certain terms that are as much as possible, but not necessarily value-free, but oh. as much as possible precise and detached from those from unnecessary emotions, and and that would be enough. You know, it's not you know it's it's difficult. Opinion does not necessarily mean like your conviction or like which we can talk about it in the next one, but it's 
like a sober analysis or like simply using the right words to say what is used mm. with the context of the past mm. and what it means for the present and maybe the future. So mm. at least that's the best way I can do it. Like properly identifying what is. I can relate mm. it to like the as example of like a lot of movie reviews, you know, they rank it from like from a one star to five stars and like ayoko siya or oh, ang kanda. Bakit? Ano? But the weird thing is that honestly, if I were to write movie reviews, you know, I prefer to really discuss what was the movie that they watched without spoilers, you know. And I think that's a better review. It is mm. not, is it bad or is it good? You could say that this movie is an examination of, say, for example, the experience of grief or the experience of identity crisis through maybe limited special effects, like everything, mm. everywhere, all at once, through the perspective of that. So, it, it, well, in a way, it's an mm. extended synopsis, but at the very mm. least, you know, it's at least it, it's it adds to it rather than just passes judgment. You know that. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it passes. Is, so, is it about a contest between writing about what you think about the topic versus mm-hmm. writing what the topic makes you think? Writing what makes what the topic makes you think. Hmm. I, I don't I don't, I don't want to consider this contest, but there's a line between that one. Sure. So is, is that is there a line between because if you're going to write an opinion piece, you're going to write about what you think about the topic. Mm. So it's just you, 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 you. Uh you can mm. pepper it with references with other people, but it's basically your opinion. And mm. this reflects the selfishness that is to an extent inherent in writing, but amplified mm. by authority's selfish culture. Mm. Right. That's that's the case. You think that your opinion matters as much as any other people's opinions. Or you would write about what the topic makes you think, meaning you you're a bit more faithful to what the topics, what the topic, what the issue evokes, not only in you, but probably what it what it evokes in other people. So it's mm-hmm. not only about what you think, mm-hmm. but it's also about what the topic makes you think about. Mm-hmm. So this would give more space to non-knee-jerk reactions because if you mm. let the issue make you think about mm-hmm. it, then you would never settle with your knee-jerk reaction. You know, so yeah, you know, there's a line between that. I think are they mutually exclusive? Uh, probably yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can fit it in one paper, really, but you need to right. set the limits. So mm-hmm. these are thought processes that. Oh, it's difficult to say. Like, can it be replicated by ChatGPT? So that's. <clears throat> so I think that's. I think this is a good counterpoint to that. Saying these are considerations that, that can be done mm-hmm. by an author that is given an audience. You know, at least with the thinking, the audience is you yourself. Uh, like maybe a conversation with your daemon. You know, it's mm-hmm. all more philosophical, emotional, psychological. Mm-hmm. But as an analyst, maybe once you have an audience, then mm-hmm. you have a responsibility to that audience. Like you are in the conversation with it. Um, but, you thing. know, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, writing Go is ahead. okay. Just, uh, just to add a bit, it just popped mm. in my head. Mm. Probably the people who use ChatGPT and pass it off as their own work writes for the sake of producing something, right? Because if you write for the sake not only of producing something but also for the sake of the writing process itself. Mm-hmm then ChatGPT will never give you that or any AI right. program will never give you that. Right. Because the writing process, I'll, I'll dare say this one, but the writing process is far more valuable than what you have produced. Mm-hmm. Because what ah. you have produced, what you have produced, it would be piled up underneath 
future mm. papers. Sure. But the sure. but the pro the but the products of the writing process, yes. the habits that you gain, mm-hmm. the habits that you gain, the questions that you ask, the map that you lay down on the reality that you're looking at. Yeah. This is something you would carry until you die. Mm-hmm. Until you mm-hmm. stop writing. So it's really the journey. Yeah. <laughs> Rather so, than the destination. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just want to submit papers mm. for the sake of getting a grade and go ahead i mean which is why yeah to in a way help motivate maybe that's why it's, in a way it's important to like be a person that your student wants to write to because in some mm. cases sir did you read my paper yet i'm really happy like mm. these are rare instances but they're like but mm. they're really proud of what they're saying and, and as if they're talking to you to the point where me and son it gets disrespectful. It means there's emoji. emoji. This is your homework assignment. But, you know, like, the best papers are, are the ones that, well, in some cases, sometimes they, they try to impress you, but at the same time, it's a good attempt, you know, but, yeah, it's you feel that they're conversing with you and it's not, it's not just written for the sake of accomplishing a written assignment. So, mm, if they yeah. feel that they can... I mean, for homework, they know that it's only going to be read by you unless mm. you let your colleagues re- read it, you know, some mm. or other people if it gets published eventually, you know. But uh, eventually, I think that's what's important. Maybe it's a side comment. Like the if a good maybe having a good homework depends on whether students trust you to read them and if you're a person that they want to write to. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. my counterpoint to that one is well, I, I don't agree with that one. I, I don't want to encourage that practice in my own classes. I don't know if someone mm. actually wrote something to impress me. Probably they didn't. But, uh, I don't know. No, I, I don't yeah. know. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, what I do encourage my students to do is to write in such a way that they are faithful to the topic, to the complexities, mm. to the multidimensionality, right. to the uh, ever changing reality of the topic that they are handling mm-hmm. rather than right. you know and i think you can see that uh, you can see that if they do attempt that you would see that in their papers mm-hmm. but if they don't attempt that one they would probably end mm-hmm. with a conclusion where it's not supposed to be there uh-huh okay <laughs> yeah i suppose uh, well uh, okay uh but but the, the point is you, when you, writing yeah. yeah no when right it's not i don't want to focus it on like me per se, perhaps I should backtrack on that. But at the same time, you should write, and it's important to know to write for an audience, mm. you know. And I think to know that if this will be valuable someday, even if it were a homework, you know, so because some homeworks eventually become, who knows, publications, a journal. I think, and in a way, I admittedly, sometimes just to accomplish a homework, I pretend that this might be. Published in the in Daily Inquirer, Bagapapag Rapper, maybe Rapper, <laughs> I don't know, because mm-hmm. it help motivate. Because writing is a form of communication, mm-hmm. and when you can, if you you're able to write for an audience that uh, you you're responsible for, you know that uh, you that trust you, and you in a way you trust that audience, that mutual relationship, that might be helpful. So that's another uh, approach, a psychological yeah. approach, maybe they can have for writing. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other approach is you write because of the simple fact that you are the first reader of what you have written. Mm-hmm. So you write for yourself first and foremost. Uh, ah, yeah. And this is, this is uh, to an extent a bit more dangerous than writing for an audience. Mm-hmm. Because right. for, writing on, for writing for an audience, you actually try to grapple with the audience and the audience, you, you try to 
you know, you make them, you know, respond to it. But if you're writing for yourself, you must have this level of self-criticism that mm -hmm. would keep you from falling in love with your own voice. Mm -hmm. So, and that yeah. is far more dangerous because human beings, we can easily fall in love with our own voice, with our own mm. ideas, thinking that they are our own ideas, when in fact they're not. Mm. So, but yeah, you know, I'm just resting on the fact that you are the first reader of what you've written. Right. And the challenge is up to you. Are you satisfied right. with it? Will you ever be satisfied with it? Right. So, Hence, that's where the expression "kill your darlings," you know, yeah. edit or, mercilessly. Yeah. yeah, or you can you can do for both. You write for yourself and you write for an audience. I think that's the safest mm -hmm. advice. Just make sure they're from different notebooks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't mix them up. Send it to the editor. What is this? <laughs> uh, I suppose let's move on to maybe another form of writing maybe the last one for at least for the session and that is like writing as an advocacy which is in a way an extension of like me writing for an audience but maybe a bit more personal you know i think that's writing like a maybe like what you said it's also a form of polemic which is meant to provoke and piss off people and in many ways unlike an, an analysis an advocacy in a way requires uh, an emotional reaction and anyway, emotion begets emotion. So you have to you know, help reveal and use your own personal experiences. Like you use it mm. as uh, as a vehicle for, for example, your your message, mm. a vehicle for your goal or your uh, the word uh, again the word advocacy. You know mm. the, your uh, your political goal. Advocate. Yeah, it, uh, for the for the sake or. How do you say this? For how do you say on behalf maybe of someone you are advocating for, like maybe mm. some a marginalized sector or fellow citizens such as yourself. So any notes on how to write as an advocacy? Mm. I, I am I'm of course I, I it's been a while since I wrote my last polemic. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. I think I should write more. Mm -hmm. I will write more. Just right. give me more time. Yeah, I should. Write <laughs> okay. More. I should write. Right. My, I have so much in. I think Lumal. I think it only emerges in part with my Facebook posts. But yeah. Um. Right. In writing polemics, well, I would add to what you said. Yes, it's about writing about your personal experience, so on and so forth. It's about advocating mm. for a sector in society. But I think the key to writing an effective polemic mm -hmm. is to write about the experiences of your audience. Mm -hmm to try to make sense of what they're feeling in such a mm -hmm. way that you are pushing for a solution mm -hmm. that you are advocating for. Mm. Because that, that's the thing about, there, there's the ineffective polemic, I think, is either focusing on a sector that people don't care about, a problem that mm -hmm. people don't care about, or mm -hmm. just focusing on your own personal experiences that in general people actually don't care about. So, but if you focus on something, a problem, an issue that they care about, runs mm -hmm. deep into their ideals, then that I think is the more effective right. polemic. I so, suppose we. I'm reminded of like the Legarda letter, you know, when the mm -hmm. son just expressed like a very violent and very emphatic polemic. Uh, yeah, yeah, polemic, like disavowal mm -hmm. of his mother, like disowning his mother, but, but at the same time alienating himself from 
the Filipino people who love mothers generally. Mm-hmm. So it <laughs> backfired. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so again, not all polemics are effective and it backfired. Mm. So it, it but, did not have, like, but then again, are the ordinary Filipino his audience? Mm. You know, are the ordinary Filipino reader his audience? Yeah. Because I, if I, he I, wanted yeah. to, if he wanted the ordinary Filipino to be his audience, then he would never write such a virulent attack on mothers, mm. on his mother. Yes. So, so, yeah. In a way, it's your way of uh, empathizing with your audience. You know, it's uh, so. This, so, as opposed to like just writing what is, maybe this is where you can do the why's and so what's and help. You can help clarify <clears throat> like the values of your society or in reference to society. So, when you advocate for something, you have to remind your audience like because this is uh, this is necess- good and necessary according to what we believe in as a society. The right to, well, the right to life, the right to the free freedom, the nation, or what have you, you know. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, you have to ask like, what's in it for them, you know? So mm. if you you need to change this because if you don't, this will happen to you. Uh, I'm trying to remember what's a good polemic, but have you I'm, written a polemic? Also, uh, mm, honestly, not in that fault. Nothing that follows these tips, which is ironic, you know. But I'm trying to think of a good example of a uh, like a, a, a evocative paper at the very least. I per, perhaps the, the the story of like uh, the Nazi. I can't re- I can't remember the title, but it, a lot of different my tongue moments. You know that moment like first they went for the communists and then the socialists and then the liberals and then they went for me because they, there's no one else to go for. Like that's a good story that convinces people like this is what happens when you you sit still. So that's a, in a way that essay or that story, uh, is, at least is effective because it's uh, it's simple, but it is factual and yeah emotionally evocative. I suppose it caters back to Aristotle, you know, with both pathos and ethos. So and so another well, not only those are there are basic three basic uh, uh, elements of rhetoric. So if logos, so things should make sense, factual, you know, and you know, mm. true. Uh, pathos meaning emotional appeal, but also ethos. Uh, ethos meaning you have to make sure that you are credible as a speaker mm. to say speak about these things. So, in a way, to combine both pathos mm. and ethos, you have to have an emotional connection, saying that ah, I know of this because I have myself have experienced mm. the this kind of thing. Um, you know. as, well, far, as far as my yeah. own practice is concerned. You know, if you want to address the ordinary Filipino, there should not hmm. be to an extent an I. Well, because that's overly self-referential. But the I should be relatable, saying, in a way, at most... Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. Well, there's the I can be related to the audience, and that is why it is it can be effective. Let me finish. Let me finish. It's not a matter of not having an I. Again, it's in the way that you say the we. Hmm. They would yeah. consider you a credible eye if the we that you portrayed actually appeals to them. Yeah. So you don't even Precisely. need to actually write the eye. So just that to be clear about saying. that. Yeah. And that was what yeah. I was about to say until you cut me off. Yeah. So okay. it's mm. not a map. Uh, if you want to write an effective polemic, especially for Filipino readers, yeah, don't, uh-huh. don't write an eye. It would just make you sound selfish. But if, right. But your we must be to an extent that they can link. It must be so mm. authentic and it must be so relatable Right. That your credibility would be based on that. 
Sure. Because even if you say that you are an I, that you have this experience, you have this experience, you have this experience, but if right. they don't relate with it, they right. will not listen. So, for, for example, the image of like evoking the image of riding the LRT, you know, everyone rides the LRT. Or maybe mm-hmm. at, at the very least, if you remember that uh, when you did the, the piece on the per- Filipino, you know, when mm-hmm. leaving, I suppose it's, it answers to some people that the frustrations of Philippines and the urge to leave. This is why it, to many Filipinos. <laughs> not to me, well, to a certain <laughs> section, yeah. A but certain section, yeah. I suppose that's why it, it caught people's attention because, quite frankly, it, it, it actually caught the attention of me who sometimes think of leaving here but hmm. predominantly of course we know that we're staying in Nandito Ang Laban you know so uh, Nandito Ang Bayan so yeah know, the, the, the best image I can think of an effective polemic is this huh. there's a crowd someone shouts it's probably you but no one would know but the crowd would agree with you that's mm. the best polemic that can be okay so the right. I is there the I is in the shout but the I is easily integrated into the we the crowd mm-hmm. will probably not know who you are unless they lift you up as if you're the leader but that's ah. the first start of it. That's the best polemic of it. It could be said by it's, anyone. Like, I am Spartacus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's basically it. But that's the reverse. The I am Spartacus is the reverse of that image. Yeah. That what you've said is something that other people would say and would happily mm. say. It's mm-hmm. not you putting words in their mouths. It's you being their mouth. Yeah. So that's the trick. Not with the mouth image. Oh, God. So... I think that's a good way to cap off that one because I, that's a good image. And But <laughs> there, you have these possible, of course, paths of writing, you know, writing mm. for audiences, writing for political purposes as an analyst, as an advocate, or even just thinking. But uh, perhaps we can uh, wrap up with some tips and recommendations as mm. to like writing habits, how to become yeah. an effective writer. And a lot of times it's practice makes perfect. So as someone yeah. who is... Uh, prolific and has had many uh, publica- numerous publications lately you know what the, yeah. the tips can you give for our readers or listeners readers and listeners well, what? Man, okay. well first audience, never think yeah. first never think you're prolific enough <laughs> uh, okay wow okay uh, yeah. never think that you've written enough mm. uh, the only time you would stop writing if you're an actual writer is when you die so mm-hmm. first habit is just keep on writing uh mm-hmm. second and i think we i think we would agree with this one keep your notes so have a systematic mm-hmm. set of notes no, uh-huh. notes is an extension of your memory so mm-hmm. that would leave much space for you to think rather mm-hmm. than memorize so right have a systematic set of notes mm-hmm. uh well keep a notebook with you mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going into the more ordinary advice on how to write you can find writing habits okay, and trying to find something very unique mm. as a habit right of writing mm. Draw, draw mm. charts, draw graphs, especially yeah. if you're writing on theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, pencil pushing is about drawing graphs. Uh, sometimes writing is not only about writing mm-hmm. entire sentences or paragraphs, it's basically just writing graphs. Right. So be happy with that one. Uh, second, hmm. Okay, let me ponder on it. If you have any, mm-hmm. you can throw it now. I'll think about my other habits. Well, for one thing, uh, I think schedule your writing habits like at the right mm. day. If you're if you prefer writing at day or night, make sure it's those habits. And at the same time, mm. I think I got this from Jordan Peterson, you know. But even like 
Flannery O'Connor, you know, she is a, a both. They're both prolific writers. Uh, they only write two to three hours, you know, a day, and the rest is dedicated to either thinking or walking, because apparently, you know, our human brains can only write for two to three hours at most. So if you can dedicate it to that small amount of time, but if if you can't do it for two to three hours, a lot of people would say the ordinary advice: start with fifteen minutes. Uh, and so just like doing nothing but writing, even like word vomiting. Actually, that's one for some people. It's like word vomit for like 15 minutes. Like, then, of course, let it sit, you know, rest for a moment. Like you don't submit it the first draft. You know? yeah. So just let it, sit, let it sit, let it rest. And then look back on it with fresh eyes and, and edit mercilessly unless until, well, you forget it's yours for a moment you know so yeah um and then uh what's the other one oh i'm afraid to say this but certain beverages are for certain processes so because <laughs> you need so beer and wine are good for writing again not too much no but <laughs> if you need to stimulate yourself but coffee is a bit more for editing that's what it, that's what it said so yeah um i think yeah, don't not too mm. much. Okay, <laughs> uh, substance abuse. Okay, uh, what else? Smoke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! A lot of writers are like that. You know, like the beat writers. You know, like what do you call that? Jack Kerouac and all those. No, I I, I actually use my smoking. Time and Hannah think. Arendt is uh, okay. And that's that, that's if if you're a smoker, if you're listening, yeah, I use my smoking time to think. I never write while smoking, nor do I. Only moderately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's strategic. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. for my thinking. Ah, oh, yeah, I remembered one more. Uh, for students who are writing research, or for researchers or young researchers like ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, there are now existing programs for referencing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Mendeley would be one example for referencing, yes. or you, you mm-hmm. can use Google citations. But mm-hmm. this is an old practice of mine that actually helped me write, and mm-hmm. that is I write my references manually. Mm. And it make up it 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 sounds cumbersome and it is cumbersome, mm-hmm. but if you write your references manually, it would also give you the time to locate where to place your references on your mm-hmm. draft. So it's also my way of uh, organizing my thoughts and organizing the readings. Uh-huh. So do it manually, as manual as you can. So and start with Chicago. Don't don't start with APA. Start with Chicago citation. So, so yeah, that's another why <laughs> because the Chicago is the most difficult it's the most difficult citation style so if you start with that you can easily reduce it to APA to MLA or to other to the other mm. uh, types if, if the journal would uh, require such changes so mm. start with Chicago uh, mm. yeah another thing is do I agree with schedule your writing yeah if it works for you it works for you again it's a mastery uh-huh. of your own thought processes mm-hmm. so if you're if you are capable of compartmentalizing your time in such a way then go ahead but if you are more like me and uh, your minds the compartments of your daily life is actually bigger mm. uh, I write in long bursts mm. I write in long bursts especially for the draft but I also allot time for writing in short bursts for my aphoristic writing that is for my notes. Mm. So yeah, again, time to three hours of writing 
it depends on my mood really <laughs> mm. i can write for five hours straight but uh, mm-hmm. sometimes i would only write an hour you know spend the rest reading so again it depends mm-hmm. again it's a mastery of your own i think uh, that's my that's my last advice that i would give you need to know how your minds work mm-hmm. what's your optimal schedule mm. so you know yeah. then align your writing with that oh. and uh, yeah Mm-hmm. And I have an end goal, Jesus. I always give yourself yeah. a hard date, a hard due date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Or even like partition, maybe have a target word count per day. Like if you, if it started with 500 to 1,000 a day, yeah, that'll be okay. Um, just to get used to that yeah. rhythm. Uh, I do have two more that are crucial. Uh, number one. I think I've told you this part. It's important to read what you wrote out loud because sometimes nope. you know when no, you no, type no, it, no, when you type it, it can you, after you've typed it, it sounds brilliant. You know when you read it, but then all of a sudden it's like oh, parang baluktot masyado mahaba. Like sometimes sentences might be too long, so yeah, so it helps to read it out loud uh, if it sounds like an well uh, logical enough maybe elegant speech and that's fine if it can be read out loud and unawkwardly sure but if it's if it sounds off when you when you read it out loud then you probably have to change it and another thing i think it was probably the most important as a writer is that i think you have to remind yourself what good writing sounds like and you have to choose who your favorite writers are who do you enjoy reading and and of course <laughs> uh, well, maybe not to people like Kego, but uh, again, um, it helps. Maybe okay, and then maybe um, not try to. Most most people try to copy their idols, but eventually just try to try to identify maybe certain patterns. You know what uh, makes you enjoy their writing. And personally, for me, I I like people like. Particularly, Anna, well, Hannah Arendt, remember, because she is able to distinguish and make distinguish from different meanings of different words, especially with German and Greek. So sometimes I do this, like this means this at certain times and that. So it's able to well, clarify meanings and concepts of words. Or sometimes I like Ernest Hemingway with his shorter sentences uh, with a beat, you know, and the simple subjects and verb agreements you know or subject and verbs sentences there's not a lot of adjectives it's mostly verbs and nouns so that's a bit more of specific imagery not adjectives or adverbs uh but yeah so this is how i like (laughs) but seriously for who do you write like or do you have like a writing idol or writing um model Uh, i think that is the next part of i think just to add on to your advice uh I do. I did have writing idols, but uh, I think the next advice, and it's not really advice, but more of a challenge to writing about politics, especially about politics, mm. is to find your own voice, mm. to find a style that is unique, mm. that you can call unique. That that's not unique in the sense that it's in a vacuum, but it's something you built on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something you built on learning on how other authors have written. Right. So you may have your idols, you may have your uh, models for writing, but that, I think that's the challenge for writers because you can mm. easily sound like someone. No. You can easily throw jargons around here. You can easily you can easily write long sentences like I have done, but mm. uh, 
yeah, it's harder to find your voice. I, sure. I, I think I am close to my actual writing style right now. So uh, one thing that helped me is something that I would reiterate with what you said, just to elaborate on it, which is uh, your writing, uh, you, get, you need to read your own writing out loud simply because writing should be lyrical. And mm. lyricism is about an awareness, not only about the words you use, mm-hmm. but about the size of the sentences, the syllables mm-hmm. within it. Yeah. So I think there's there's an actual feature on word, uh, right. a macro system that you can input that can actually highlight the lengths of your sentences, mm-hmm. just to make you more aware about uh, whether you're writing a very long sentence. So yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, Matt, I can hear your mind. So yes, I do. I used to write long sentences. Now I'm more conscious about long sentences. Right. So yes. But, you know, it's funny, speaking of going back to Hemingway, like, you know, Joan Didion, who is a very prolific writer, like she recently passed away and rest in peace. But no, what she, but, but she, yeah, but what she, she used to do was to type and listen, literally retype the stories of Hemingway just to understand a proper rhythm for her own mm. writing. Mm. So that's literally like, again, uh, <laughs> finding her mentors and yeah. literally before you find your sometimes you find it before you can find your own voice you need you have your own mentors to mm. perhaps emulate mm. until you find your own voice that's what a lot of people do okay. uh of course it takes a while to shake them off but i think it's a necessary yeah. thing um, yeah, it is, to do it is. so yeah. before yeah and by the uh, way go back to pen and paper yeah for our pen listeners and... go back to pen and paper ah why or typewriter if you want Typewriter is nice. It's for the rhythm. It's really nice. But for the pen and paper, uh, why we need to go back to the pen and paper first is far more intimate. It's far more intimate. Second, uh, you're not distracted by your monitor on a computer. If you want to actually focus on writing, you need to separate yourselves from the internet, from your mm. cell phones. Mm. And writing on a computer, that's the last thing I actually do. You know, mm-hmm. as, as a writer, that's the last thing I actually do. Uh, I, only, I only write on my on document, on a document file when I already laid down uh, my main arguments and my main topic paragraphs. So mm-hmm. I usually write my topic paragraphs either on paper or on a typewriter. And this is a quirk that I do have, I still have. I always write my analysis and my conclusions on paper mm. with the pen. Mm. So I don't leave it to, you know, I don't expose myself to my laptop. Or it's distractions, for, yeah. yeah. Basically, my laptop right now is just an just a aggrandized MP3 player. So, yeah. So you do you still like write with the music on? Because most people do their homework with the music. Like, like lo-fi or whatever yeah. or orchestra music. Oh yeah, do I do I it actually no, I, I write my I write the most boring parts of my paper with songs. But uh-huh. I write the more intimate parts of my paper uh with instrumental music. Uh-huh. Okay. I need it because of my neighbor. My neighbor is a bit noisy, so <laughs> I need that. But if if I'm in a quiet place and if my neighbor is quiet, I would not listen to music. Uh-huh. So, okay. Ikaw ba? Uh, do you have any recommended type of genre for writing or for parts uh, of the writing process? You know, hmm. I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, it used to be, I used to love 
like uh, the usual orchestra, like you know Tchaikovsky or Mozart. Actually, not so much anymore because they tend to be make me very emotional, you know. But <laughs> I tend to for writing, honestly, two two types of music I recommend. Number one, Bach. You know, Bach yeah. is is tends to be very mechanical and very in his rhythms, and it's not very emotional, but it's more experimenting with like the flows of certain notes and scales. But uh, so it's less distracting. Hmm. Um, and then the other one is Recondite. You know, I think he did the songs for the young Pope, which is kind of odd. Like you remember, uh, hmm. it's like like electro like electro dance music, music, yeah, yeah. You know, techno, yeah, yeah. Daft Punk is also so, great for writing. Uh, Daft Punk, although Daft Punk sometimes with uh, it gets wordier and then they sing it. I tend to sing too. So honestly, yeah, yeah, the, the, the avoid personally, of, I, yeah. yeah, I don't recommend it yeah I'll avoid the songs the, uh, yeah if you're writing an analysis or like that. yeah 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 unless of course you're site doing your bibliography then yeah yeah the most boring yeah. part yeah you can use that yeah one. Oh, wedding music the wedding you know tugs tugs music i always listen to military music when i'm on a due date <laughs> uh, uh, okay but that, that, that's that's my personality March. so marches March. yeah. so yeah it depends on your personality what you want to listen but i think the general rule is uh, if you want to write uh, intensely do not listen to songs because that may mix up with mm. your brain. So sometimes yeah. you might type the song lyrics by mistake. According to Machiavelli, Paro Paro G. <laughs> uh, anyway, 2023, anyway. <laughs> it's a remix. Anyway, I, so that was an interesting discussion with writing. Uh, clearly, we have different styles, but some yep. of them overlap. But yep. do what works for you, really. And maybe you mm. can send your own tips, maybe for us and then your fellow listeners. So yep. hopefully this was uh, useful for you, you know. Uh, but let's go on to, well, we're already in the process of recommendations. Let's talk about, let's do some more recommendations <laughs> um, on, again, books or films or other materials that could be helpful for uh and enriching our discussion today. So, Borge, any recommendations for uh, us? I think episode? I recommended. Uh, yeah, I, I think I recommended this before. But again, I would like to reemphasize that uh, if you want to have a grasp of the art of writing, you need to have a grasp of your thought processes. So, in line with that, I'm recommending John Dewey's "How We Think." Uh, I think I recommended this before. If, if I haven't recommended this, then I'm recommending it now. So, I'll probably yeah. send a link to this one. I think it's available yeah. online. So it's basically a uh, it's a breakdown of our thought process, the importance of habits of thought, uh, mm-hmm. and how to deal with it. So, say so yeah, that's one thing. And another recommendation that I have would be essays on essays in skepticism by Bertrand Russell. So, mm. I'm recommending essays in skepticism by essays in skepticism by Bertrand Russell, not only because of its content, but also it is well written. So this is a good model for essay writing. Really. Mm-hmm. It's a really good model for essay writing. And the topics themselves are really good. So, but uh, you can look into one of his essays on intellectual rubbish. <laughs> just again, rubbish. Emphasize, rubbish just to emphasize <laughs> my, <laughs> emphasize a warning that people can get stuck with common sense, even if common sense is wrong. And people can get stuck with the average, which ChatGPT offers, even mm. if you're thoroughly wrong as well. So uh-huh. doesn't mean if it's average, it's right. So it's just average. It's common. That not necessarily mean it's right. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So how we think for from John Dewey and essays and skepticism. If you want a model for good essay writing, 
So mm -hmm. by Bertrand Russell. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for that. Okay. Uh, for my recommendations, uh, quite a bit, you know, but the first one is Elements of Eloquence by Mark Forsyth. And he's a bit of a weirdo, actually. Uh, he likes to compile uh, certain elements of language. Uh, this one, he talks about the different mm. figures of speech mm. and the interesting applications like alliteration and synecdoche and metaphor and simile and all that. But it's He also demonstrates them in very, very interesting ways. And there are there are a lot more than you think. Like, of course, any English class would have a set, maybe 20 at most, but he has like up to like a hundred of like forms of like imagery and um, even with the rhythms of a uh, of an essay, he talks about it. Uh, even like having the same, like, it, like one of my favorite well-written like movie lines has a bit of alliteration or having the same sound uh, start. Well, like for example, in... Uh, Server Snape is the first scene he was introduced. I can teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper to death. So there's a, it starts with a B sound, like bottle fame, brew. And it's even thematically similar. Like they're all potions related. So it makes potions sound cool, even though it's like the boring subject, bottle fame, brew glory, and put a stopper to death. So yeah, it's, it's funny. Like it's even like a, it even, you expect him to say something for the third time, but he subverts it by saying something different. So I don't know. That's, just analyzing it is like anyway. It's he it does that. Mark Forsyth does it similar. So yeah. So if you talk about the rhythm about figures of speech, check that book out. And then there is another thing to read is the essay of George Orwell, uh, Politics and the English Language, which oh. is not so much um, about how to write, but more like the importance of clear writing and how obscured writing is actually dishonest and bad for politics. So Ooh. it's, again, yeah, it's a, a very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But yeah, and so and that's the proper way to maybe align yourself uh, as a writer, you know, to, it's for clarity and not mm. just to obfuscate or to yep. elucidate uh, the, the weird words, uh, these gobbledygook. Uh, mm. And then, uh, one of my favorite movies, I'm not sure if I said this before, but uh, I think thinking about this uh, topic, maybe want to revisit and recommend this. It's called History Boys, uh, written by Alan Bennett. It, it's about the a group of uh, students from an all-boys school who are gifted. And so they put him with uh, special sessions with their favorite teacher, Hector, played by Richard Griffiths, originated by Richard Griffiths, who plays Uncle Dursley from Harry Potter. And a special younger tutor who is who has a different teaching policy. So their favorite teacher, Hector, believes that education well, is meant done for its own sake. Like he even quotes A.E. Hausman, I think, who says that any information is always valuable, no matter how useless it is. Uh, so it's for its own sake. So he, he teaches like with a bunch of songs, poetry and stage plays, and they would just be playing around. But the other uh, new younger uh, history teacher was brought in to show them techniques on how to get into Oxford. You know, or to Cambridge, or the 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 top schools, because it would uh, he, the principal wants to get to increase the prestige of their their high school. Mm. 
So in order to do that, it's, he got this recruited this teacher to again uh, use essay techniques or rectorical techniques to get people to, to impress people. Mm. But again, so it's a in a way it's kind of like chat GPT. It's like it's <laughs> to answer these questions in the most efficient way. But the other part of it is like having the joy of learning itself. Mm. So it, 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 and it's an interesting clash of ideologies mm. in between these two teachers. And mm. it's very interesting. It's very touching. And uh, it, it was adopted. It's a stage play and it can be found in YouTube, but it's also adapted into a movie. And it's actually, the movie stars a lot of uh, famous like ac- British actors. Besides Richard Griffiths, there's, uh, what's it called this? Samuel Bennett, who plays uh, Dirk Gently. There's also James Corden, of all people. Oh. Like he plays, he was one of the boys there. Uh, Dominic Cooper and Russell Tovey. You know, so these are well-known actors. So uh, it's, it helped, in a way, inspire me to be a teacher. In a way, when this is one of the movies that did that. So, uh, yeah, History Boys by Alan Bennett. Yeah, um, that's, that is it for our episode on AI and writing. Uh, any last exchange. remarks, Borge? Yeah. Um, well, uh, nah, I think uh, I don't have anything more to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, albeit, I think the interesting thing we can pick up for a, a future episode will be that conflict between education as knowledge for its own sake or education for sake of something else. Mm-hmm. There's already a third ground between those. So I think we mm-hmm. can elaborate on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, soon because I think that's at the core of why ChatGPT is being used. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, it's a, is it to get a grade or do you want to learn something? Yep. So yeah, so it's... basically that. So, uh-huh. Yeah, we'll discuss more about that in the future. But for now, yeah, no other final words. All right. So again, we'll return to this, but this was an initial foray into a very interesting time and hopefully we do not get taken over by robots or <laughs> replaced <laughs> by artificial intelligence. But hopefully we, it, we can still, like these are merely tools and we are still the master of these tools. So we created them and they are our creations. So yeah. Uh, but perhaps it'll be helpful to find a technology expert or software expert to talk about so we can mm. uh, understand it more deeply and how it works. But yeah. Anyway, so remember that the PI Podcast can be found on Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. You may follow us on Facebook as well. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments to us, or especially about this topic or maybe even future episode topics, you may send us an email at pipodcastph at gmail.com. But until the next episode, Magandang gabi, mga kapiyay.